the biggest thing behind smart contracts and the confusion in the space is that people say, oh, you attach things to the smart contracts. What you attach to the smart contracts is the verification side of it, but it's anything you want. Granted, there's certain videos you can directly embed that only unlock to the person who has the NFT. So that's something. But as to you know, finding out, okay, what does this give me? That's up to the platform or the NFT you're buying to make sure to provide you that information. This is the SE Podcast, the podcast for sports and entrepreneurship collide. In this episode, I'm joined by Daniel Pardo. Daniel is the founder and CEO of DPC Labs. DPC stands for Digital Player Cards. DPC is an NFT marketplace for all athletes. They provide athletes of all sports the opportunity to own their moment. In this episode with Daniel Pardo, we discuss the seemingly ever-changing college sports landscape, sports as the ultimate icebreaker, the complexity of Web3 and NFTs, smart contracts, security with NFTs, opportunities for young athletes, and an abundant mindset. In case you haven't noticed, we love podcasts. In fact, yeah, you should have one. We'll even build it for you. A podcast that is simply email me at eric at sportse.io. We'll get your podcast published fast. I was in the top row of the shoe. Yeah. It was freezing yeah. cold, raining. <laughs> yeah. And it was still one of the greatest games I've ever watched. Yeah. That was, was one of the worst in, games ever. Yeah. <laughs> I was in the big house for Michigan State that year when Michigan State won on the Bosch. Oh my God. I was in the big house in the student section where they scored the touchdown. Like, oh, that's it was crazy. The, that's crazy. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. There's like these iconic games, these moments, especially, you know, Michigan State, like that was such a terrible loss. And like from one side perspective, like Ohio State side, it was such a, you know, Zeke was in the hospital that week, you know, and who knows what happened. I mean, all they had to do is hand it off to him like 50 times and they win that game, you know, or JT misses Braxton Miller on that, you know, again, the weather's terrible. You know, there's all these things that happen and Michigan State has the iconic win and Ohio State's left out of the playoff in a year where they're like, that team was ridiculous. But that team was so good. Actually, I think I was going to go to that game, but the weather was so bad and we were going to drive up. We're like, screw it. We're not going. And it worked out. No, that's cool that you were there. But that Michigan, Michigan State game, like those moments, we had people over that night and we like paused the game to eat and we came back and I fast forwarded. Like I couldn't catch my bearings. And I was like, yeah. wait, something just happened. And so I rewound it. I'm like, oh my God, like that really just happened. Like everything that could go wrong just went wrong. <laughs> I mean, it'll go down as one of the most iconic, yeah, classic games. I mean, to actually have been in the student section like yeah. there uh, was nuts. Luckily, I had like a black zip up on. <laughs> yeah, I zipped it up as quick as I could. Like, yeah, you know what's interesting now is you know Michigan has their big win over Ohio State, and that was a great win, and they kicked Ohio State's ass, you know, and deservedly so. And there's a lot going on in Ohio State's defense was it just total disaster. They're really young. And that's not excuses. Michigan won and deserved to win. But like Ohio State, I mean, they're just a machine right now. And, you know, they lost the game. Michigan State comes in. They completely transformed that program. And yeah, they got destroyed the week before. And I think that kind of set Ohio State's mindset up as far as like what they're going to do the next week. But as far as like Michigan State and Michigan is concerned, they can both be good. I don't think they can both be great. And I don't know where that goes from here because it just seems interesting that where like what's Michigan doing on the heels of that big win as opposed to like what Michigan State's able to do and like who's going to be now things are changing. You know, we're talking USC, UCLA, like the whole thing's going to grow the Big Ten that is. 
But like Michigan State, Penn State, like those teams have given Ohio State typically more trouble over the years than Michigan has, even though they got the most recent win. Like, what are you all thinking with Michigan State right now going forward and versus like Michigan? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think that the Harbaugh in non-decision as related to the NFL really hurt recruiting. I think a lot of recruits and it goes, they know they're there for three years. I mean, yeah, they can transfer, but who wants to go through that? So they know, okay, I commit to a place. I'm most likely there three years. If your coach isn't committed that first year, how do you know he's not committed the second year, the year after that? doesn't matter what contract he signs. The difference you see Tucker come in, what Michigan State did is on the heels of one of the worst losses of the season, they came in and said, hey, here's a 10-year, $100 million contract. Let's make you one of the most paid head coaches in football. Yeah, And I think you're seeing that in the football recruiting for Michigan State right now. I think you're seeing the four-star recruits you wouldn't see go. It'll be really interesting to see what Caleb Presley does today. He's looking at Bama, Oregon, Michigan State, and a few others. And so that'll be interesting. You know, Does Tucker bring the change that Mario Cristobal is bringing to Miami? Can, can Tucker do that to Michigan State? And recruiting-wise, I think he's close. He's doing it. Will he get that guy? You know, Can he get Samson? Can he get the lineman? We'll see. Yeah. I think what Cristobal just did yesterday is pretty unbelievable to pick up the first. I think they, they picked up their highest offensive lineman in 12 years at University of Miami. And so, honestly, I think right now, between the two programs, I see the most from not even just because I went to Miami and I went to Michigan State, but those are the two that, in terms of recruiting, in terms of noise, who are you hearing from? Who are you seeing from? It's Michigan State and Miami. Tucker came out with the Lamborghinis and and the Range Rovers and the Rolls Royces and said, hey, this is what we're about. I think that that was new. I don't think you saw that. I mean, you couldn't see it before. But like I said, I think that Michigan State allowing Mel Tucker to embrace that, to you know have the swag he's about himself, that's what's going to build the program. The same way you know Miami's letting Cristobal have his swag to run Miami. Well, in Miami, that's what Miami always had, right? They had that swag and they had it in their own way. And like Michigan on the other end of it, they have their own way of being. And again, I'm biased in a negative way, maybe towards them. But like, you know, the uniforms, the way their fans behave, whatever. We're not going to make fun of them or anything. But that is appealing, right? Obviously, they've had in history a great program and it's an iconic program. And when you watch Notre Dame, Michigan, you tune in and watch like what's going to happen in that game. It's amazing. But like what we're talking about today and we're getting into like Web3 and we're talking about NIL and we're talking about recruiting and we're talking about like money. I mentioned the programs and the college football landscape is just, it's changed and it's only going to continue to change. And the power that exists at that level to say UCLA and USC are like calling the Big Ten and reports of 10 other schools reaching out, like who doesn't want to be a part of that television contract and get $100 million Ever that might be like Michigan doesn't seem to be again, this is all on the surface. We don't know truly what's going on behind the scenes, embracing it like some of these other programs. And so it's like the landscape of all of this stuff is changing, right? And you're kind of like living in that intersection and perhaps not in the NIL space, perhaps maybe it is in the NIL space. I don't know, but college sports, it's like a different beast. It's, I don't even know if it's collegiate sports anymore, but like you're hearing me say all these things, like where does that take you? Yeah, absolutely. It takes me a few places. And I think one is NIL and what's happening behind closed doors. And then what are we hearing about? There's the NFT side. It's what can blockchain Web3 technology do for NIL? We talked about Michigan State really quickly. I think what they're doing right now with their East Lansing NIL club is really interesting. It hasn't been directly 
advertised as blockchain NFTs, but everything I've read about it seems like what they are doing is they're launching an NFT, but they're doing it the smartest way possible. It's an access pass to their community, directly to the athletes. So what I see is opportunity. I see an ever-growing space, but I don't see it happening the right way from everyone in terms of NFTs and Web3. I think that as the right platform, right company starts to shape itself, who can help the college athletes correctly individually? Who can help the collectives individually? Who can help the universities? I think until that's shaped out, which is currently happening in the space, it's kind of this continued wild, wild west. There's on the NFT space, there's 70 companies that are so-called creating cards for college athletes. You know, I can't speak for all of them, but I, I know most of them are on Shopify and using OpenSea. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if you want to grow in the space long term, there's no secondary value to that by just going to OpenSea. So we are definitely in the NIL space. And that's kind of what's differentiated what we're doing with our company. Everything we view in the NFT space relates to NIL, but just relates to the blockchain of empowering athletes. You see NIL and everything about NIL is, like you said, it's about empowering these athletes to know what are they worth. So we empower these athletes through the blockchain technology with by empowering, connecting, and educating them on you know Web3 and NFTs through a digital player card of themselves. You know, kind of like what East Lansing, that East Lansing Player Club is doing and having it be an access pass. For us, it's calling it a digital player card, integrating them to say, yes, it's an NFT. This is what the technology provides us, but it's also just a player card of yourself. Yeah. Who's coming to you in that world, right? Are the colleges, is the East Lansing project you're talking about? Is it representatives from these players? Because there's, you know, right, there's a lot of confusion around any, all the stuff we just talked about. Even the people that know the most about it are still like working their way through this. Like, who are you first talking to when it comes to, okay, an athlete wants a card? Is that them reaching? What does that look like? Yeah, absolutely. So, what we do is we work with, this is where we set up to be a platform and a company for all athletes of all sports and really anybody in the sports space. We help any athlete from a one-year-old whose parents think they're the next Tiger Woods to that professional athlete who wants a card for themselves. The athletes can reach out to us directly. We're on mogul and market price, two of those marketplaces. So that's a lot of the college app reach. But it's also just kind of like my partners, we have a lot of connections into the athlete space. So it's connecting with a lot of those people individually and, and giving that intro to say, hey, this is what blockchain and Web3 technology can provide for you. And this is what we can do. We'll create you a player card if you want to sell it and see the you know opportunities it can create for you. Great. We're happy to sell it for you. If you want to just have it to market it and have for yourself, you know, we're happy to create this card and start the beginning education of what does it mean to, you know, be in the web three space. So we work with athletes, foundations, camps, high schools, middle schools, anybody to create them cards. Just real quick on terms of like what we've done. We did a Fab 40 basketball camp in North Carolina where you know, they created NFTs of the campers that they brought in, and we essentially just created the smart contracts, which is you know the data behind it for them. So that's a little about what we're doing, you know, in terms of who we speak with. Yeah, yeah. So when you go like Little League, for example, every year they take pictures of your kids, and you get the player card, and it's great. Yeah, I see my son actually and my daughter. My son's got his A's jersey with the local club, and it's great. And I keep the card, and it's right there. And he's not going, right? He's just, and I would laugh with him. Like, he's just not the next Bryce Harper, right? But he loves playing with him on the show. But the aspect of him having that digital card has an appeal to me. I think that would be a lot of fun for him. Just 
like it's not gonna be worth anything or maybe who knows right like whatever he becomes or does so you're seeing that as well to where you show up to this camp and you get this nft you said it, it's like a learning experience. It doesn't mean like you're all in on NFTs and everything else is a bust, right? Like it sounds like it's, you've used the word, I think a couple of times already is education of like, you're dabbling in this space. Exactly. And education is the most important thing. Listen, the average person that joins the space is not going to buy a NFT that's going to make them a million dollars. It's not about the space. But that's sort of what has moved people who don't know about the space because that's all they see and all they hear. And for us, it's exactly right. You look to your right and you see that card of your son and your daughter. It's now making that digital. It's having it where, okay, I moved and I don't know where the box is. It's right there on your wallet on the blockchain. And then, hey, maybe your son, maybe he doesn't go, he's not an MLB player, but maybe he's an executive of a company. Maybe there is something that he does that you know has a viral moment. And hey, Someone then wants to purchase that NFT because of the blockchain ability. You know, it's a pre-rookie rookie card of himself. And so the way we view it is exactly that it's a collectible for parents and kids to own to introduce themselves into that early education of what Web3 is. But we do help, like we said, all athletes of all sports with like ones who do want to make money as well. Yeah. 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 Cause there's a the whole thing when the collectible thing started. It's like I have a Ricky Henderson rookie card. I have a Wayne Gretzky rookie card. I think it's not in mint condition, but it's like, I'm not looking to sell those. Like I remember my childhood from, and it's just like kind of, I don't sit there and look at it all the time either. You know, where you could get into these, like to flip, right? You get into the business to flip it, to make money, to do all these things where it doesn't have to be either one. It's almost like if you get into it for the right reasons, because you enjoy it, and it turns out to be something of value, and then you can play on both sides of it. I think that's the best of it as opposed to you because you could lose a lot, right? And we've seen it. And we have this conversation six months ago, a year ago versus today. The conversation's probably a little bit different. I've had conversations with people in the Web3 space and NFT space. And the conversation is changing because it brings up new questions, right? Like we can look and say, okay, what's the price of all of these things? And it's not just NFTs. It's everything, right? The stock market, I think, as I looked at it at the moment, was down today and it's been going down. And you know, real estate prices and interest rates, I mean, like the gas prices, it's just across the board. But it brings out, like, I see it on both sides. It's almost like college sports in a way. It's like, if you don't like Ohio State, you hate Ohio State. And if you like Ohio State, you love Ohio State. There's like no, maybe there is, but typically there's not a lot of people in the middle there, right? And you can pick Miami's the same thing and Florida State and on and on Clemson. But like for the NFT space, people are like, that's such a fad. It's such a joke. Why would people be in it? And then you have other people over here, like just put all your money in that. That's where it's going. And like, where is the stuff in the middle? So here we sit and you seem like a reasonable guy, right? Good conversations. We talked about Ohio State, Michigan State already, and we didn't come to blows. So like, where do you fit in all of that as we watch and we can look and say the price of Bitcoin and Solana and you know, that's just, it's not doing well, right? And here we are, like, where do you take that? Honestly, I fall right into the middle of it. I don't think the price behind Bitcoin, the price behind Solana, the price behind Ethereum is why people should be interested in getting into crypto or the blockchain and Air Web3 technology. I think the purpose of the technology behind what is being built is the importance of it. I think if people understood, move sports aside, let's take the music world. If you look at someone who sells these record deals, someone can sell... I saw a tweet recently. I think it was someone could sell 250 NFTs at $200. 
and make the same as 2.5 million clicks on their song. So when you think about the ownership side of what NFTs can do, being able to send locked content to someone verified because of the address. So I'll give you a little inside scoop on what we're something that's being rolled out right now with what we're doing is we have something called DPC commits that's going to be released. A lot of these kids, these young athletes, you know, I don't even call them kids, they're young athletes. How do they release their announcements? It's a ESPN, a video on Twitter, on Instagram. It, they just put it out there. We're going to be helping these kids monetize on their commitments. They have four, five, eight communities of fans that want to know where they go first. How do you find out? You can buy his NFT that'll release and tell you where they're going. Help these kids give money back to themselves, their parents, right off the bat. What we can do now is there's foundations that can help us with this. But where this changes is right now, there's nine states in the US that high schoolers can make money. I say three to five years in all 50 states, they will be able to make money. Yeah. And that will change the game for high school as well. There will be regulation to it. That's going to be the landscape. It's not about for us, for our company, we land in the middle because what are we about? We're about the athlete. We're about the technology that helps the athlete. We're not about going to pay an athlete to go to, we've talked about Michigan State, Miami, Ohio. I mean, my co-founder is a, a, you know, a Michigan State grad with me, but the rest of our team is all Miami, you know, through and through Miami guys. We're not finding the Miami kid to say, hey, we're going to get you a deal to go get you this amount of money. We're creating a platform that these athletes can come to to empower them to make their money. Hey, if it's from a booster from a school, that's awesome for them. If it's from their fans and communities from high school, that's great. So that's where I fall. I fall in the middle because it's about the technology. It's not about the price. Yeah. There's a lot of confusion in it. Like if someone was just going to get started with it, you know, the best way I learned is by doing it. So I've dabbled in it and just nothing of like risk, but just like, what is it? How does this work? If I buy this and if I get it, you know, go on OpenSea, you've mentioned before and buy an NFT. What does that look like? If I get inside of Discord and start communicating, like, what is that? What does that feel like? Is it confusing? How do you learn about it? So like you have someone that comes into it and like, great, I want to do this. I have no idea how to do it. And then, you know, so I'll take it to a very specific question, smart contracts. And you talked about music and you gave that example. And that's perfect because it's so true because we hear about like, okay, great. Your song's been downloaded how many times on Spotify and how much money does that net you? And there's a whole issue with it. Okay. So then I go to the smart contract and I go on Etherscan, right? And I'm going to look at it like, okay, everything's right here, except what am I looking at? Right. Like someone could create the smart contract, but how do we truly understand that smart contract? Like, and I might be just looking in the wrong places. So I've educated myself and I feel like I'm way further along than I was. But if I go look at that smart contract, like, how do we truly read that smart contract to say, what does that get me? If you get this athlete, so I get to whatever that utility provides, where is that utility? Like, what is it? Say? And again, I know some of these things are super easy, but for some people that are coming into this marketplace, like parents of a kid who's going to go to Michigan State, be like, I'm totally lost. Like, where do I go? What do I look at? Yeah. The notion with the smart contracts, and you're definitely, I can, I mean, from what you just said, I can tell you're definitely a lot more educated on it than the everyday individuals are. But as to the smart contracts, it's when people say there's utilities attached to the smart contract and all of these things. You're not going to an ether scan and, and necessarily reading it through. You're getting that from the platform. So that's us, DPC Labs, putting out, and this will be updates that are coming with the website, but it'll be attachments under the athlete's page that'll say, if you buy his card, you can receive potential to get one game signed jersey, one pair of cleats, something like that. The idea, I think, the biggest thing behind smart contracts and 
the confusion in the space is that people say, oh, you attach things to the smart contracts. What you attach to the smart contracts is the verification side of it, but it's anything you want. Granted, there's certain videos you can directly embed that only unlock to the person who has the NFT. So that's something. But as to you know, finding out, okay, what does this give me? That's up to the platform or the NFT you're buying to make sure to provide you that information. Okay. How do we verify? It's like anything. It's any... Again... Like you say. Like someone says, I'm getting this. How do you verify it's going to happen? Correct. But that exists in anything that we do. Like if we work together, say, I'm going to give you these three things if you work with me. Okay, well, that's no different than in the NFT space. It's just, okay, but I might not see you. I might not know you. We might not have true trust because we've never met or talked or anything. It's I'm truly buying it online. Again, which exists if I buy, go to Amazon and I buy a book and they're going to ship it to me, I trust it. Now I have things to back me up because I use my MasterCard to do it. And then I can say, well, they never sent me the book. You get what I'm getting at. Of course. Is that a verification because that's your brand? That's what like... You go out of business because if you do it to enough people, you're not going to last. Is that as basic as that? Honestly, yes. Okay. <laughs> and I hate bringing up the projects that haven't done well. So I'm not going to name names for the athletes because I think a lot of athletes got hurt in terms of why and how it happened to them. I don't think it was their fault. I think there were a lot of broken promises. But there have been athletes that have launched projects. Some have been called rugs and some actually are. And then some have been in, and not are. But they have promised things that have ultimately they have not been able to guarantee and give. Why? Because they were overpromised. They assumed there was going to be a sellout on cards, something like that. The one thing with DPC in our platform, right now, there's no promises. The promise is an athlete comes in. So someone who we're going to be releasing a card for comes in and says, Hey, I'm dropping my card this week. Buy one of my cards and you have a chance to find out where, you know, what decisions I make first. And someone gets to receive a game used jersey of me. It's up to the athlete to then decide to say, hey, I'm going to be in Milwaukee today or I want to do a meet and greet with anybody in the city of Milwaukee. Come to the game. I'll give you a ticket and you can meet me after the game. That'll be up to the athlete to say, hey, you know, I want to take advantage of what the blockchain technology has. I think a lot of the athletes on the brand side trying to build their brand are going to be able to utilize it perfectly. I think as to a lot of the professional athletes, I think you're going to see it utilized on a level more of I'm giving away a jersey, a pair of cleats, and a pair of gloves. And if you join my community, you have the chance to win this. I think that's more where it's going to be on the collectible side, the same way you see it with cards, people buying packs of cards and hoping. But instead of just getting a pack of cards, you're going to have that chance to get potential interaction with an athlete. You know, the importance is though, is with you say, to not just promise things that aren't going to be delivered. And the reality is these athletes in the sports side of things get so busy that if they do promise a bunch of things, there's, there is no guarantee that, that it's going to happen. And so we make sure that if something is happening, it's we have it already and that it's being like, if an athlete says, hey, I'm giving a jersey, we have that jersey. So we know we're giving it to the fan. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And you think about like, you got a Jordan jersey behind you as we're talking, like Scotty Pippen had the whole thing where like he had a financial advisor and I don't know the whole story, but he lost like all of his money. So these things have been out there. You talked about athletes getting hoes and things didn't go their way. Like, because people would say, well, that's just the NFTs, that's Web3, and they took advantage of these people. Well, this has been going on. Like, people are getting robbed as we talk right now. They're losing their money. Their bank account got hacked and they lost their money. Now, I could say, well, I've had it a $775 transaction. I got a text immediately. Was this you? And I'm like, I look around, I'm like, no, it was, I don't even know what the vendor is. 
and they immediately refunded that money. But you're seeing these things like, okay, great, I own these NFTs, but now I don't because somehow, again, when, as I talk through it, I can even like counter my own argument because you get text messages that say, click here because your Wells Fargo account has been compromised. You click there and they all of a sudden you gave access to that. So that's what's happened in the NFT space. It's just, you don't have a lot of like backup for you in that space right now. And I know as people that I've talked to, that is being worked on. It's just, we're not totally there yet because you read the headlines are so obvious and they're so like the media loves to talk about like this just lost every, they just, this person or this group or this, whatever was just dropped is lost everything. And so it, it throws it into this like spiral of like, okay, what do I do with that now? Is that enough for me to just stop and wait? And so like, as you see like the media headlines and these stories that are coming out of people losing their ass with all this, like, I don't know, like... Yeah, yeah. No, no, absolutely. So, I mean, it's important. I think that there's a few things to that. One, on the collectible side, that's the unique side for us where a parent purchases a card for their kid and it's a fifth grade card and we have that card. 10 years later, someone hacks that wallet and they now have lost that card. What can we do? Because of we have it in our drive, because of the way the NFTs are, we always we will make sure to have every single one of these NFTs two extra. And this is some inside look on what we do, but we always have two extra created into a company wallet that are never transferred anywhere for the protection of on the athlete side of creation. So a parent creates a card for their kid, will always create two extra sitting in a wallet that God forbid one is lost, stolen. We have the ability to replace it as well. It's easy for us to recreate that because the creation of the card is already there. So for a parent who is worried to say, what if I pay $75 for a card for my kid to have a video on it and it's stolen from me, we will absolutely no question recreate that card to give it back to them. And there are measures and security measures for us to send to put flags on wherever that NFT is as well. We're building our own secondary marketplace. So we're not going and putting a DPC page on OpenSea or Magic Eden. So if a card is popping up on OpenSea or Magic Eden, you know it's not directly from the company. It's someone exterior from us. And so that's also another side to the verification side for us. On the athlete side of the money worry, saying, hey, if I sign a contract for $100 in the beginning of May, and now it's at $29, who's covering that difference? We've set it up so that we have credit card payment and credit card integration now. So you don't need a crypto wallet. You can go onto our website and with credit card and even with Apple Pay, purchase one of our NFTs and then transfer it to your wallet. But what that does for an athlete is everything will be priced and we're, we're going through the front end changes to our website now, but everything will be priced in the dollar for us. So an athlete will be protected to know that, hey, if someone buys my card, it's in the dollar, it's at that price. It's not on a fluctuating Solana basis. That's also the protection on the athlete side, the parent side. There's a, unfortunately always a risk. You know, There is that risk if, hey, I bought that brawny card when he was 18 going to college and now he's you know an NBA all-star for 13 years and it's worth a million and someone stole it. I think by that time, we'll have the necessary companies to recoup what needed. You'll have the insurance that's willing to cover it. On a separate side than NFTs, I don't think the insurance space wants to even touch cybersecurity as to this yet. They don't know where to go with it. They have no idea. Yeah, yeah. It's complicated enough to deal with hurricane coverage and flood insurance. And, you know, you throw all this into it, it's a whole nother thing. Do you, with you saying that, is that like, 
I know we're not like here to call out OpenSea or whoever that's out there because that typically that's where people are going to hear about and that's where they're going to go. You know, some one of those types of companies is that, I mean, again, I guess that's part of it. Like that's just the risk rewards you get. And there are these challenges, obstacles, you know, there's thieves out there and they're looking to hack you and they're looking to steal your money and to steal your assets and whatever you have. I mean, people go into people's homes and they'll steal cars, right? It's like, Okay, so you guys are taking it into your own hands to make it a safer place, a safer environment. But that doesn't mean that those other places don't exist. It doesn't mean that they're all bad. It's just like, okay, be wary. Like, that's why people had moats back in the day. Yeah. So OpenSea is great. I don't, there's nothing... What they've built is unbelievable. The reality is, though, is that when you have that many... You know, when you're bringing in millions and millions of, of people, when you're opening an open source marketplace, yeah, you can go give your blue check mark. But there's only a level to that. So like for our marketplace, long-term... So that secondary marketplace I told you about, that long-term will open up to every sports card project you see out there. We will give all of them the ability to utilize our secondary marketplace instead of open to your magic Eden. All we would take is the same transaction fees as these other places. But why? Because we want it to be in one centralized... In a decentral world, but one centralized location for athletes. We want to benefit the athletes. Simple things like search engines that benefit the athletes or things like that. Those are things that we're building around the platform. Not to say that OpenSea is bad, but OpenSea isn't built for sports. It's not built for athletes. We're directly building our platform so that athletes have a place in Web3, not NFTs. It's so that athletes do that. It happens to be through NFTs. But the importance of why we're building what we're building is not to create an NFT marketplace. It's to create a sports NFT marketplace. I think that we saw an OpenSea's lawsuit. They take no liability as to the, if you want to call FUD projects that end up on their website. For our marketplace, no athlete's card is ending up for sale on our website unless we put it for sale. We're going and getting personal content from these athletes. It's like, you know, they're going, they're pulling their phone out and saying, oh, what workout did I do yesterday? Cool. That's a dope video. Let me send it to DPC to make in their card. So when we create a card, it's 100% verifiable card with that athlete. We're not going and creating a card for Bronny James and finding a hot and sending a content creator to his game to you know sell that NFT with a different cartoon face because we don't have it. the way we work is we're working directly with the athletes to empower them through their name, image, and likeness. Yeah. A thought I had is like, okay, so you get the highlight video and that becomes part of the card. It's like, okay, well, who's creating the video? And you just said it. That's coming from the athlete, it sounds like, or someone in their camp is creating that video. So right now in Miami, like we've got a few content creators that we'll send out to different high schools to different games. You know, camps we'll work with if they have their own photographers. So we just partnered with Wally Reiner from Charlotte, lives in Virginia, former an eight-year NFL vet. Um, he trains a bunch of the top athletes in the Virginia area. He's a foundation called VA Pro Elite that helps these kids out and trains them, you know, helps introduce them to the colleges beyond just their talent and everything they have. We partnered with him to provide these kids digital collectibles of themselves to help them be educated in the entrance of what Web3 can do for them now because they are top athletes. And so a partnership like that is all about the education of these, you know, young athletes, but also the business side of it for these young athletes, understanding. And this is what an NIL deal looks like. This is what companies are going to approach you about. And this is how not to do it and to do it. 
some deals will make sense. We don't pay athletes up front. Everything is a rev split with us because of the NFT space. It's just the only security you can have. Don't get me wrong. I get approached every single day with different athletes that different agencies that are reaching me out saying, Hey, this athlete would love a deal. And I reach out and say, Hey, we'll love to do a deal. And it requires money up front. And that's okay. There's 99% of other athletes in the world that can understand the importance of Web3 technology without just needing that upfront money. And if you need the upfront money, quite frankly, the true understanding of what the blockchain technology can provide you on these early stages is not there. Yeah. And I think that athletes will get it. I think they deserve it. It's not to say they don't, but in order to truly understand why the blockchain technology is important, it requires work from the athlete. It's not just a brand deal saying, you know, here's a product that I'm selling it. There's a little more that's required. And it's not for everybody. No, it's not for everyone. But that's also why for us, it doesn't have to be for sale. You could just want to own your own collectible. And that's, and with the parents, that's a B2B model where parents can purchase it for their kids or an athlete can just own it themselves to have. They don't have to sell it. It's if they want to do that. Yeah. Like when I hear you talking, I'm thinking like, oh, that's an abundance mindset to have that philosophy. It's like, you don't have to have it. It doesn't always have to make that like big hit, right? And it's not for every athlete to have to think like, and you have to go out and convince everyone to do it. Because like what I've talked about before is there's a lot of complexities to this, a lot of confusion to it. And it's going to get easier. But right now, like I'm sure you've talked to athletes and they're just like, not now. Like they're not interested or their people are not interested. And that's okay. I don't see that as, it's almost like, well, you don't have to be convinced that this is the future of the world, that this is how we're going to trade everything. And, you know, my thought is like, Let's just be open to the conversation. Let's talk about it. Ask questions. You don't have to dive right in tomorrow, but like be aware because now everyone's like having that moment of like, see, I told you, I told you so. And that's where we live right now. That's a lot of fun. Right. <laughs> I mean, I live in a daily with people that are like, oh, you're an NFTs. You know, I say to them, I'm in the digital collectible side of things. That happens to be an NFT. And I tell people this, but when you ask, where do you fall in? I fall in the middle because the technology is what's important. The people like, what Will Weinrab is doing with Cryptoids and building a toy company behind NFTs, I think that's so unique. I think what you see Blau, what you see you know, those companies doing, what you see Snoop Dogg doing with the NFT record company, that's unique. I think finding the ways to build the technology... Listen, do I think what Yuga Labs and Bored Ape and, and all these companies have done is amazing? Yeah, they're now building in real life access to what they built. But it wasn't directly the technology that did that. It was a really cool project that people felt was awesome that gave them the funds to build the technology to do it. And so that's kind of the difference. That What they're building is great. What they're building is awesome. But it didn't directly start behind like the technology like what you see you know, with these record companies and things like that building. Those are the differences that I'm seeing. And I think that in two, three years, that's what you're going to see is lasting. Yeah, Board Ape will always be around. CryptoPunks, those initial projects. But I don't think it's going to be the typical everyday NFT project. I think think it's going to be the technology. I think it's going to be the companies that are built. I don't know if you've seen what Deshaun Kaiser is doing, but Deshaun Kaiser and Kai Forbath with one of none are doing a really cool, you know, digital to physical, providing vaults, providing RFD chips that you can, you know, essentially put in. If you wanted a shirt with an NFT of yourself and it to be tied directly to that physical or that digital collectible, you know, they're building the technology behind that to do that. I think, like I said, the companies that are building the technology, I think, are, are why this is here to stay. It's not these quick art projects that you're seeing pop up, but it's also the artist. I think the fact that an artist who doesn't have to go to a gallery and say, hey, take 60% of my profit because I need to put this somewhere to sell, 
there's other avenues for them to not be able to do that. So I think there's so many ways. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. I mean, you could look behind me right now. So that's a banner. My mom, she's an artist. Her mom was an artist and she's had, you know, galleries, she's had shows, she's had all these things and like taking physical art and digitizing it, right? For many different reasons. Maybe it's so like if this office building burned down, well, that piece is now gone. Well, but if it was, if there was a digital asset behind it, well, there's different things we could do. Yeah. And you can monetize it, right? Now you can sell it. People can own it. And there's different, like we talked about before, utility behind it. You know, I don't know if that is exactly like, I mean, I don't know, because it's like, well, there's a physical game of basketball being played and you're kind of taking something that's happened in real life and putting it in the digital marketplace, right? Obviously, they're very different. But I mean, do you continue to see because you're talking a lot about like, the technology here, but you have the creativity here and the creativity, the art and whatever that art is, right? Whether it's a picture, whether it's playing basketball, whether it's entrepreneurship, whether it's like a banner, a painting behind me, like that is what then can become something that is out there. But it was the creativity that got it there. I don't know if I'm making any sense right now, but you see what I'm saying? Yeah, okay. yeah no, I, I, <laughs> what you're saying is that essentially... The amount of work that people on the creative side had to do to get it to a business side of things, you know, the NBA to get it to a product where TV deals were at what they're spending now, artists to get to a point where they can end up in multiple galleries and actually be paid to have their art in galleries. It's power to the creator. Yeah, so it's got the opportunity. Like the NBA athletes, I think that what you're seeing with Dapper Labs and is, is awesome. But I don't think you're seeing the everyday athlete reaping the benefits. The everyday athlete doesn't understand. They don't get a list of confirmed individuals who have their cards to know who's invested in who they are as an athlete. That's not something that they're provided. If Dapper sees this podcast and decides to do that, power to them. Because why wouldn't you want to do that? Why wouldn't you want to empower the creator behind your what you're building, the athletes, to know the power they have? Dapper Labs has a list of every single person that has bought a BAM at a bio card. Why not share that list of BAM? Say, hey, BAM, you're doing a, a camp or a product. We'll share you this email list to set. I mean, those are things that can be built and provided and, and they happen outside of it. But that's things that can attach to the blockchain technology that companies like Dapper who have you know the sign-up process where it isn't fully anonymous can do. So like I said, I think in the years to come, it's going to be the importance of the technology. For us, it's importance of education. It's importance of this early adoption to say, hey, this is why it's important, whether you want to play your card to yourself as an early age, or whether you're an athlete that wants to try to sell it to your fans and community because you want to engage more. We're happy to help you on all levels. We just partnered with Cameron Crutwick. We're creating cards for his campers. We didn't approach him to say, hey, let's create a card for you to sell. That's kind of what we're looking to do. It's not about how can we make the quickest money from the biggest athlete. It's about how can we adopt most people into the space the right way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You said education. It's like you appearing, I would imagine appearing on a podcast, right? Creating content in this world, right? In the Web 2 world, let's say, or Web 2.5, whatever we're going. But yeah, like that's why you're here, I would imagine, to partly to just continue to connect with people and you're seeing the value, right? I mean, I'm asking, right? You're seeing the value in appearing on podcasts and and perhaps I'm kind of answering the question for you now, which is weird, but like it allows you to talk through these things and to hear what questions are being asked. Absolutely. So I've done, I think it's like four or five podcasts now, and they're all with individuals who are educating themselves on the Web3 space. They weren't educated prior. And I love that because I get asked questions on what is the smart contract? 
answering the notion of that there isn't something actually attached to the smart contract that you need to go find, that it's simply what the project decides to say, hey, this can be attached to it. Answering that question alone, I, just, I answer almost every time because when you read things online, it says the smart contract, you can attach the utility. And I read that and I'm thinking to myself, but are you attaching real, like, are you attaching the tickets to the game that you're giving them to the NFT? No, it's an opportunity that's attached to the verification of them having that NFT. And so that the education side of it is the best for me. Something that we are doing right now is we're, we're developing something called DPC University, Digital Player Card University, just in line with the brand. And what it's going to be is it'll be a page on our website with videos, flyers on how to create a phantom wallet, mobile, digitally, how, what is NFTs, you know, how to buy one on our website, things like that. That we're in kind of a redevelopment phase of our website right now, but that'll all be updated probably by end of August with that full education portion attached to the website as well. I got you. So you just said wallet. So if I have a MetaMask wallet and I've been using it, like say over here with OpenSea and all that, and I come over to DPC, does that wallet work the same? Or is it something totally different? Yeah. So with us, we're, we're built on the blockchain Solana. So being built on Solana, the reason for that is there's no gas fees, which is you know transaction fees. I mean, I bought an NFT once on Ethereum and I paid like $200 in right. fees. Yeah. I still can't believe to this day I did that. But yeah. I did. You had to learn. I did. Yeah. <laughs> And it taught me that if I was going to build a platform, especially that I was going to be able to help underprivileged kids, help athletes, it needed to have a, a low barrier to entry and a low cost to entry, which meant no gas fees. So with Solana, you download the Phantom Wallet, which is really nice because it's on Android and the iPhone. But what we integrated this past weekend, a really great partnership for us was Crossmint. It's a payment integration platform. So if you go into our website now, you can actually buy any of our athletes' cards with credit card and without the need for a wallet. So It'll end up on their website. And then from their website, you can transfer it to a wallet if you would like. But you don't directly need a wallet to buy the NFT anymore. And that's the first step to adoption on all levels. Is yeah, this. we'll go into the masses. Yeah. And that's the idea of not needing the wallet. And, and the wallets will come around. I think they're important. But the idea that you connect to something else is also just the easiest way to adopt right now. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's just like when things are simple, you just do it. When I have to go follow a six-step process to make this happen, that's why the iPhone or the you know any Apple products like open the box, pull the plastic off, hit the button, you're good. You know, when it's like all these things you have to do, it just becomes too much. And it's like that's the I don't know to say if this is the way. Like it's a rate limiting step for people adopting the technology to say I'm going to opt out for now until it becomes easier. There's no question. Listen, we go to a park in South Florida. Parents can Venmo us, cash app us the $75 to create the cards. And we'll, we now have airdrop. Granted, they'll still have to create the wallets because we'll be airdropping it to them. But they don't have to go create a wallet by Solana. We've made it as easy as possible for these families. It's all done through our accounting. You know, Everything's done legally and correctly. But we wanted the easiest barrier to entry. And that's having Venmo cash app payments. You don't have to pay with crypto to get what our product. And that's the most important thing. Yeah. And everyone... What I've seen in this space, because you get in that creativity space, where I think there's a lot of like you've operated from like a lot of things you've said is from that abundance mindset. But like everyone's going to win as security gets better, as ease of access gets better, less complexity. So you'll win, OpenSea can win, like you can all win together. Like it's only going to become just more. It's just like better stuff is going to be more for everybody. And I think that's a good thing. The other headline, and you just touched on it with gas fees, but it gets into the like, here's a headline NFTs are an environmental disaster, right? Like, you just could Google it and you could just read till you go to sleep. Like, 
there's a lot of that. And so people are saying, well, I'm not going to do that because of the mining and everything that goes on along with it. Like, where do you, whether it relates to DPC or whether it just relates to the community as a whole? Yeah, I think it's an extremely important issue as it relates to DPC. I think that's a little bit kind of why we went with Solana, that environmental friendly use of the ecosystem, the way that the development works. I won't go into too much about it to really get to the technical side of it. But I mean, it's an important side of it. But I think that in any technological advancements, we see an environmental effect. I think that with cars, you see an environmental effect with the internet, you know, environmental effect with gas. So I think that it's an unfortunate side of everything, but it's finding the right solution to not just, you know, destroy the ecosystem. And I think that Solana is doing right now the best job possible with their development side of it to keep the ecosystem damages as little as possible. And I think that they are. But I think that in the early stages of any advancements in this world, I think we've seen unfortunate environmental aspects. And I think the one thing I will say is that I am very happy that you know I'm not on the Solana technical side of dev teams to understand, you know, to really be a part of that. I think building into the technology is a part of being in the ecosystem, but I also don't think it's a firsthand involvement in it as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, and these are tough questions, right? I mean, it's like you can't expect you to have like, oh, here's what's going to happen and here's the answer to it. It's like you're clearly aware of all of this and you're paying attention to it and you're talking to people and and that's important. And it's like, we just have to continue to learn. It's just, it makes it tough for you, for anybody to say like, oh, that's what the headline says. And I'm sure a lot of these articles are giving good information to say like, this is why I'm staying away from it. Fair enough. It's like, well, let's have a conversation about it. Like, why is it an environmental disaster and what's being done to combat that? I love that you said that, like with any advancement has come these like, complications to it, these obstacles that have created all of a sudden, it's like, okay, we're going to use gas to pump into our cars. Well, so that was an issue. And now we have battery power and there's new issues there, right? So it's just going to continue. These things aren't new. It's almost like, okay, well, people are trying to steal your wallet. Well, people are trying to steal your wallet constantly. Like there's that Champions League game in Paris, France. If you read about that, it's like, it's this horrible scene And one of the things that was happening while people were getting tasered and beat up, it's like people were stealing their wallets. It's like, so they're going to do that regardless. Like you're walking into a soccer or football event and they're trying to steal your wallet. Clearly, they're going to try to do it online. They've been doing it online. So all these things are very real. It's just there's a lot of people working at it. Listen, I think in the last eight, eight years, we've seen... I mean, it's not just the years, but the last eight years, we've seen the way the media likes to portray things. The second that they're is an issue they can report on. The second there is some clickbait you know, topic to report on, it's reported on. And I think it's unfortunate because I think you see it beyond just NFTs. You see it politically. You see it socially. You see it with everything. I mean, I think it's just the reality, unfortunately, of the media world we live in today that there might not necessarily be a 100% verification check. It's just how quick can we put out the clickbait article? Or what headline catches the most people. But hey, let's dumb it down in the article to say exactly that it's, the headline's not true. And here's why it's not true. But hey, let's put it at that headline because that's what's going to catch the most people to read it. And half the people won't even read the article. They'll just see the headline and believe it anyways. That's the media we live in. It's unfortunate. It's why I like to stay out of that side of it. It's why what we do with these athletes is to help them. It's not about signing the biggest athlete to go put the PR article to 
go get the funding. It's about doing it properly the right way to help these athletes. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good stuff, man. You're at a point of like bringing people together. You could see it, you could feel it, you could see it with the content and the conversation that we had. I think content brings people together like a podcast, but I say sports bring people together because it's the ultimate icebreaker. Even if like your fans of rival teams like Michigan State and Ohio State and like that's something that's to me that's like there's something really cool in that. Like we could just start a conversation and like you have a Jordan jersey behind you. Like I could speak for hours on that, right? And it's just available to have that conversation. And it can then from there lead to so many other things. And then you decided to like get in this space to help athletes, to help families, to help your family, to help your business and like the people that work with you and to educate people on something that this is important, right? This is happening whether you like it or not. And the conversations are happening and it's worthwhile to check in once in a while. And if you can start the conversation with some sports talk, all the better. Absolutely. I mean, the sports talk is, it always makes the, I mean, for me at least, it always makes it easier. I mean, I'm a sports fan through and through on everything. And then on the business side, you know, I think it's at the end of the day, we, like you said, it's here to stay. It's about who's going to do it the right way. And it's allowing on my side of it, where I view it, the big corporations that are out there to not be the big corporations that are out there in Web3. In order to do it the right way, there need to be new people coming in into the space. And I think that that's happening. And I think over the next two to three years, you, we'll see really who's here to stay and who's not. But uh, you know, I really appreciate you having me on. This was awesome. From talking football with uh, Michigan State, Ohio State. Yeah. <laughs> giving a little trash talk to Michigan, you know. Yeah, yeah. Always a good time. Can't beat it. Daniel, where... All right, so where do people connect with you, DPC Labs and all that? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram and uh, Twitter. My Instagram is DanielPardo525. My Twitter is DanielPardo25. We're on Instagram and Twitter for DBC as well. It's a DBC underscore NFT on Twitter and DBC NFT on Instagram. And then we're also on TikTok, DBC NFT. Yeah, man. This is awesome. We'll be paying attention. Let's talk for sure. Let's continue the conversations. I got a hockey player. I got dancers. I mean, I, I would like, I want some of these cards. I think it's amazing. Perfect. So. Listen, we got to get them <laughs> for your kids immediately. Yes. Yes. Good to meet you. Good to talk. And let's stay in touch. Perfect. Have a good one. One of my favorite things about our Sportsypreneur content platform is the opportunity to chat with amazing people in and around the world of sports. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you want to connect more, hit us up on Instagram at sportsepreneur. Thank you for listening to this CadSource production, the Sports Epreneur podcast, the podcast where sports and entrepreneurship collide. CadCM is our content production company. Why content? It's simple. Content brings people together. I've seen it play out over and over, and I want to help others explore and discover this for themselves. The experience is totally worth it. Learn more at kazdm.com. We focus on podcasts and writing, one piece of content at a time. It all starts with conversations just like this one.